Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. You know all that by now. Spread the word. We're growing rapidly. The draft just happened. Yesterday, I reviewed the AFC East. Today is going to be the AFC North. Certainly the division I have talked the most about. If you aren't aware, I pretty much spent the entire draft process at the Steelers facility. And, of course, all the much talk about the Ravens and Bengals and the Browns are a, a, a team that everyone across the nation is talking about right now with three first-round picks. But let's just dive right into it. Let's start, start with the Ravens. First off, it was surprising to me and I think to everyone that, you know, their first four picks were all defense. And their defense was far better than their offense last year. Their run defense was especially good. They've added Tony Jefferson. Um, now with this draft, I think their defense has a chance to be one of the best in the league. They add two edge guys in Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams, uh, both of whom got some first-round buzz. Williams is a first-round player all day long. He, like the first-round pick, come from Alabama, Ozzie Newsom's alma mater. I would think that Ozzie knows more about Tim Williams than most GMs and basically most of pretty much every evaluator out there. He was comfortable enough to add him with the 78th pick overall. Uh, I thought edge pass rush was as big a need as any for the Ravens this year. Uh, and now you add two young ones that have an awful lot of ability between them. Who knows how well that pays off immediately. But my hunch is Williams is a difference maker very early. And uh, Bowser may be a guy that drops into coverage a little more than Williams or, you know, might be a little more of a two-way player for them, which is exciting, I would think, too. I mean, they know how to use those guys. Suggs has obviously done all sorts of things in his career, but he's up in age. Um, the first-round pick, Humphrey, is very talented. He's big and extremely physical, and, uh, I mean, I think that really completes that secondary, too. I mean, him and Smith on the outside and, and you know, Weddle now at free safety, Jefferson at strong. They have a really good secondary now, too. And Young, uh, to bump him into the, you know, he, he's a really good slot player, too. He's the smaller of the group. But, really, I mean, this, this team's going to be really difficult to run against. And now they've made great strides with their pass defense. Wormley's a player I liked an awful lot when he got picked I was on the air and I'm like well that's a Raven type of pick I mean he's just a good football player um I think he's more of a five technique you know a three four defensive end but you gotta think if you're the Ravens I mean they have these two gigundo defensive tackle types but my hunch is they are looking at Wormley as we like him as an interior pass rusher on passing downs you know I mean that makes perfect sense Take a guy like Brandon Williams off the field or, you know, these, these gigundous run stuffer D tackles and kick Wormley in there. Uh, if you want to have a huge defensive line, he could be your end as well, a base end. Um, so it gives him a lot of possibilities. I uh, remember they drafted Kafusi last year too. I think he has some similarities. I just think Wormley's a much better player, better prospect. Also expect him to help early on. Um, 
And then they didn't, they didn't draft any wide receivers. I mean, to, what, what I took away from that is, like, maybe they have extreme confidence in Perryman. You know, I mean, I think that's a possibility. You know, they, they, they liked them an awful lot coming out. I liked them a ton. There's not a lot else there at the receiver position to get excited about. There's somebody that they must trust to not address the situation at all. And I think it must be Perryman. So that my, you know, my radar is up on that. That maybe the Ravens are very high on Perryman still, and I hope so. I mean, I think he's a really good prospect. Liked him a lot, like I said. After losing Ricky Wagner, <coughs> I felt like they had to either sign, you know, find a starting guard or tackle. I mean, Lewis could play guard or tackle. There's some puzzle pieces with that line that could move around a little bit. Um, but they added Nico Saragusa, I mean, in the fourth round, who's a pure mauling guard that could be a day-one starter for them. I mean, uh, to me, that that isn't all that far-fetched at all. Um, and then they also added Jermaine Illuminor from Texas A&M. Um, many list him as a guard, but I think he might be actually be able to play tackle. So between the two of them, if they can get a starter and some depth out of those two picks, which I guess isn't asking that much, that would be a real home run because the defense certainly looks fixed. You know, I mean, it looks to be in really good shape. The um, the offense was ignored, I mean, very much ignored. But if they can get O-line help from that crew, that's something. But still, man, I mean, I don't see a lot of high-scoring games in the Ravens' future, that's for sure. All right, and that brings us to the Bengals, a team that I've been very down on. You guys know that. I've been saying over and over that I look at this team as a team going backwards. But I think they had a very good draft, a very promising draft, um, addressed some needs. You know, let's talk big picture here with the Bengals. Is Historically, I mean, really ever since they drafted Andy Dalton, they've gone out of their way, and they weren't able to do it last year because three receivers went right before their first-round pick, you know, Coleman, Treadwell, um, Fuller. So I very much think they would have taken one of those guys, preferably one of the two fast dudes, uh, with that first-round pick, and it, they got bit in the ass. And so they made up for it this year by taking John Ross probably earlier than most thought. But since really Andy Dalton's been their quarterback, they've gone very, very much out of their way to use premium picks on skill position players, because they know who he is. I mean, let's, let's not beat around the bush. They know who he is. He needs to be surrounded by a lot of talent. Well, by adding Ross and Mixon, especially Mixon, in the second round, they very much accomplished that again. I mean, that's what their formula is. Obviously, my concern is I think their offensive line's a nightmare, and, you know, they didn't do anything about it. I mean, they drafted a center in the fifth round, and that's it. That's all they've done to help this this second or this offensive line that was a problem last year and lost their two best guys. I get it, but my thoughts with them and the Giants. I mean, did I mention this yesterday or not? I was on the I've been in the air so much I forget. Is I wonder if they're gonna not not that they're gonna become Texas Tech and become this you know uh, spread team, but I think I wonder if they're just gonna go to principles where they ask very little of their linemen in pass protection. You know, get it out quick have a multitude of really good weapons, and now they have that. I don't know, uh, but still, I mean, I, I, I still think you need offensive linemen in the NFL. I mean, maybe I'm crazy. But Ross is a very dangerous player for them, and you know, put him opposite A.J. Green, that opens up a lot of space, and that is a very dangerous player. I like the pick. I like the fit. It bumps Boyd down the ladder. Hopefully Eifert can stay healthy. You know, Say what you want about Mixon. We're not here to talk about what he did. 
Um, but this is phenomenal value. I mean, I think we do have to recognize that Cincinnati obviously uh, will overlook some character things. Let's just leave it at that. More than most teams, maybe more than any team. But what does he do for them on the field? I think he instantly goes past Jeremy Hill and is their lead back. I bet he's their leading rusher this year. I think Hill will be a forgotten man very soon. Geo comes back from uh, injury, and I think he'll still have a similar role to what he did. But Mixon and Bernard now also give you a really good pair of receiving backs with different types of you know receiving skills. So that's a big deal, you know, especially if they're just going to be a quick hit and get it out, throw it all over the time. Andy Dalton in the shotgun spread principles. So that makes some sense. I mean, it, it really upgrades their skill position guys. And to a lesser degree, the fourth round pick Josh Malone does also in that he is not that he's John Ross, but he's a burner. He's a deep threat. Obviously, they felt they were missing that. I mean, they went out and got two of them, not only the best one in the draft, but they got two of them. And then between the Mixon and Malone pick, they took Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson, both edge players, different types of edge players, but both were getting first round buzz. Both have, you know, top 50 tape for sure. I'm convinced Lawson failed because of medical, but the Bengals jumped on it. He isn't their type of defensive end. I mean, Willis is closer to their prototype than, than Lawson is for sure. You look at the Bengals, they've always wanted... 6'5", 6'6", six, 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 Carl, Carlos Dunlap types, and you know, Marcus Hunt, 6'9", you know, I mean, so they've always wanted these gigantic 4-3 edge players. Um, Willis is closer to that, but maybe they're getting away from it a little bit. It hasn't worked out well for them, to be frank. Um, Lawson's much more of a 3-4 outside linebacker type. Maybe he only plays a minimal amount of snaps, or maybe they try to move him off the ball here and there. That'll be interesting, but, you know, he's... Something they needed. I mean, he's just too good a player to pass up at 116, I think is what it came down to. And they need edge pass rush. So that covers the, their top five picks. They also added Glasgow, a uh, defensive tackle, another one of their fourth rounders. I think he'll play. I think he'll eat snaps. I think he'll play well in, in a more of a nose tackle role next to uh, Atkins. They drafted Billings for that last year. Yeah, maybe those two can rotate and be an adequate player, you know, between the two of them, young. And then I guess the last guy to really talk about here is Jake Elliott. Not that I'm going to talk much about a kicker, but he's the fifth-round pick on a kicker. You know, that was a problem area for them last year. There, there's no doubt in my mind, you know, I mean, that was a problem area, and they think they fixed it, apparently. Oh, I also wanted to mention Jordan Evans, too, just because... He's a good coverage player. You know, I mean, he, I think he'll be a quality special teamer for them. And he's also really good in coverage, which is something they've needed. You know, the, the Burfix and Malugas and those heavier guys, they don't, they're not as good in space. Uh, so maybe they fixed that. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. All right, the Brownies. About the most interesting team out there in terms of their draft. They had the most draft capital. 
They still have an insane amount of draft capital for 2018, as well as tons of cap space for next year. So no one thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Don't get me wrong. But if they have another offseason next year, like this one, you know, another draft class slash free agency, you know, they built their line of free agency. I think the Browns could be back in a big way. Um, I really like what they did in the draft. One of the things I like that they did in the draft is what they didn't do, and that's go get Mitch Trubisky, who you guys know I'm not a fan of. And to spend what it probably would have cost to get him would have really hurt in other other areas. I like that they waited. And I guess let's talk about it right off the bat. I mean, the Deshaun Kaiser pick, to get him at 52, here's, here's my thoughts on it, are do I think he's going to be the answer to all the Browns quarterback problems? Probably not. You know, I mean, they've had so many. But he's got an awful lot of ability. And I think getting him out of Notre Dame is going to do do a world of good. They've got a, a big-time offensive line now. They should have a really good running game. He can come in and, I'm not saying he's Dak Prescott, but he comes into a somewhat similar situation. And the coach is key here, too. I mean, if Hugh Jackson dedicates this year to making Deshaun Kaiser something, we might be talking about him like Dak Prescott. And here's my point. The ability's there. If he's a hit, just think about this. If Kaiser has a you know, Prescott-like year, I mean, I, I know that's a high praise, but it's also not crazy talk. Uh, he's, he's probably he's more talented than Dak. I mean, I think he throws the ball better than Dak. Um, let's say he does something like that, you know, or in that neighborhood. And the Browns don't have to go crazy to go get Kirk Cousins or Garoppolo or the first pick in the draft quarterback. And they have all those picks next year and all that cap room to go get next year's wave of Garrett Peppers, the Jokus, you know, and just litter their roster with first round picks. Holy cow. I mean, and if not, if Kaiser stinks, then they go get the best quarterback in the draft, you know, use their first pick and the Texans first pick and go get him. Or go sign Kirk Cousins, you know, or Garoppolo, or A.J. McCarron, or whatever, I don't, you know. But what a great risk to take at 52. I mean, to me, that could be the pick of the draft. Miles Garrett was the obvious one. Great. I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be better than Mario Williams. I think he's going to be better than Clowney. They didn't screw it up. That's fantastic. Jabril Peppers, I've been asked about a ton because... A pretty good source has told me that the Steelers were to take it. We're, we're really high on him. I don't know if the Steelers were taking him over Watt. For the Steelers, I don't like Peppers because, you know, he doesn't have a position. You know, what would he do immediately for a contending team? But in Cleveland, I love it. You know, there's obvious talent here. You give, give Greg Williams a year to figure out what what does this guy do well? You know, can he be a slot corner? Can he play deep in coverage? How much is he improving? He's going to blitz a lot, I would think, in that scheme. Try a lot of different things with him and see what he does well. And by the time this team is turning the corner, hopefully, he's a major reason why, you know, that you've figured out what to do with him. So for in this situation, I love it. You know, play him on the field. If he makes mistakes, so what? Love the Njoku pick as well. I mean, to get him at 29, you move up and you get an extremely talented downfield guy who's already excels in the red zone rare traits for the tight end position i mean to, those f- top four picks are potential you know franchise changers i mean like you look back t- 10 years from now and the, i know this sounds insane but 
you know, 10 years from now, we're all sitting here at my bar talking and you go, man, the Browns have won, you know, they won three Super Bowls in the last eight years. Let's go back and look why. Wow. That, how about those first four picks in 2017? Holy cow. You know, obviously I'm blowing things up, but uh, those are game changers or franchise changers. Potentially. I think that, that, that influx of talent at those positions is gigantic. It's gigantic. Especially, I mean, again, I keep coming back to what if Kaiser's good? I mean, what if Kaiser's real good? I don't think that's crazy. Then now imagine the possibilities after that. Um, two defensive tackles that are really worth talking about here are Oak and Janobi. I always say his wrong name too, his, his name wrong as well from Charlotte and Caleb Brantley from Florida. Brantley would probably been a top, he certainly would have been a top 50 pick, but he has allegations hanging over his head. And I love what the Browns did. They said, we don't know if he's guilty or not, basically. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but they basically said, we don't know if he's guilty or not. If he's guilty, we're going to cut him. If he's innocent, we're going to keep him. And we get a stud player with 185th pick overall. And we had, you know, a really good defensive lineman. Um, Ogunjobi's more of a nose tackle type. He's more of the bigger body, stouter guy. Brantley's more of the penetrator. But there's obvious talent with both them. Again, why not take the move? You know, make that move on on Brantley. I know the Browns are easy to make fun of, but some of the outside the box thinking like that Brantley move, like the Kaiser pick, to me is brilliant. I mean, I think it's wonderful. I mean, there's very little downside if either one of those guys hit. It's a home run. I like it quite a bit. I mean, obviously they they still have a lot of work to do with this team. They look like they got their kicker in the seventh round fine you know one th- he's from arizona state that's one one thing that's kind of str- you know just a little side note here he'll have to learn to kick in different conditions you know like i, I didn't immediately when I, I don't know anything about zane gonzalez he might be the best kicker in the whole world but if he's coming from arizona state he's never kicked in wind or weather and it's a big deal you know it's a big deal especially when playing cleveland howard wilson's a corner um also you know, somewhat noteworthy because man they certainly need the help there I would think no matter what happens at the quarterback position, the secondary is going to be a major priority for the Browns next offseason. Fine. You know, I mean, you can't get everything, but uh, they got all these picks going forward. I mean, to me, they're the most intriguing team uh, in the league right now, without question. Lastly, in the AFC North, of course, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I feel like all I've talked about is their draft 24 hours a day for three weeks now in a row or whatever. And especially the last couple days. But I know you're interested in my thoughts. And you can also go back on my Twitter timeline, at Williamson NFL, and find all sorts of interviews I've done locally or whatever about the Steeler draft. A couple notes here. As usual, I'd give it a B or a B plus. You know, there's not a lot of things. I say that every year about Steelers draft. I know that's boring. But that's who they are. And they don't take a lot of risks. Um... And in this draft in particular, I know for a fact that it was a priority for this organization to bring in high-character guys, you know, a lot of team captains. There's nobody on this list that you say, eh, takes plays off or off-the-field concerns or might not love football. You know, like, all these guys are super into it and they're going to contribute on special teams or play multiple positions, you know. And you got to realize, too, with these better teams, you know, the, the Patriots, we talked about them yesterday, they only had four picks. Well, they don't have much roster space. You know, I mean, one of the complaints around here is, boy, the Steelers draft, I mean, who's going to help them this year? Well, 
Probably not many. You know, I mean, it's a tough roster to, in, in playing time to crack. Um, there's also the complaint that many thought the Steelers, with when guys like Buda Baker and Obi Malafamu were in, still available in the middle of the second, that Pittsburgh should have traded up um, from 30 to try to get one of those guys. And I'm on board with that too. I, I just don't know that they I, they might have. I, I don't know if they did or didn't even try. I have no idea. Um, so, you know, so there's people around here saying, well, why do we need another receiver and Juju, you know, and we'll get to him in a second. But, um, yeah, so a defensive back would have done more good immediately for the team. And in a way, I mean, there was such a run on defensive backs that I bet if you told them, you know, that you'd only end up with Cameron Sutton really in this draft uh, that will help you today, I bet they wouldn't have thought that was the case. And I bet they th- thought, you know, in, in a way, it was kind of worst case. And it's not a knock on Sutton. I like Sutton. But it's kind of worst case scenario in terms of how the defensive back field played out for the Steelers. But I love Watt. I mean, I really am. I, I think he's very much a Steeler. I think he fits the scheme. He can learn slowly. He can add weight. He doesn't have to play right away. I like the tape. I like the measurables. I like the off the field. I mean, I, I think he's a a really safe but also high upside pick that fits the system and comes in immediately and does not have to start from day one, learns from Harrison and guys like that. Boom. I mean, that's an easy pick for me at 30 when he was sitting there. And here's where it gets a little hairy is, you know, the 30th pick in the second round, the Steelers take Juju Smith-Schuster. And I don't know this for a fact, but I basically could read the tea leaves that they took him because they didn't think there was, they couldn't believe he was still on the board. That they had a far higher grade on him than the sixty-two, the 62nd best player in this draft. Many are saying, well, that means Martavis Bryant, is. they don't trust him. You know, he's going to be getting stoned and Coates can't be any good. And there might be truth to that. I mean, uh, there's certainly, they were short a receiver last year. They don't want that to be the case again. Um, they're very much... You know, they, they want to win now, of course. Um, I don't think, you know, there is some risk, obviously, with Bryant and Coates. But I don't think it means that they have no faith in those guys anymore. Um, I do think that there's, you know, when Bryant's co- first contract's up, they're not going to resign him. I mean, I, I think he'll go somewhere else, um, you know, for as much as he could demand after he has, a you know, a great year or so. But the other thing about Schuster is, Smith Schuster is, He's different than any receiver on this team. You know, they have A.B. as their one. They have Coates and Bryant as Hunter, and Hunter as really their long, outside-the-numbers, deep-threat guys with some size. Then they have a couple slot dudes where, I know people around here are comparing Juju to Heinz Ward, but he has a Heinz Ward, Anquan Bolden feel to him. He, I mean, I saw him walking around the facility. He is a big, thick dude, and... I think he'll also help on special teams. I think he could be a big slot. I think he could be an outside-the-numbers guy. I can see that, that why they would like him, you know. So I think that's the only – I think that's the number one reason they took him was he was by far the best player on the board. But now they got a ton of receivers. So then they end up with Sutton in the third round. I think he'll come in and compete immediately as a slot corner. Um, tackling is really the issue with him. He's tackling averse. But a team captain – High football IQ, could play safety, could play outside, could play slot, real good ball skills, real good recognition skills, above average athleticism. You know, I think he, I think there's a good chance of all the Steelers that 
drafted, he plays the most snaps for them in year one. And he's also a very good return guy. So, you know, Antonio Brown's a punt returner. Um, I would imagine you'd rather have Sutton doing that at least, you know, part of the time. I know Brown likes to return punts. He's really good at it. Um, so that was also appealing as well. Local hero James Conner was the fourth, was the the uh, supplementary or comp- compensatory pick in the third round. Um, a lot of people around here were like, "Well, isn't that a little bit early?" And yeah, we love James, and he overcame cancer, and he's a pit kid, and you know, but couldn't he got him later? Or they just pick him for sentimental reasons? I mean, off the record, Coach Tomlin walked past us and kind of laughed. He's like, I can't believe people think we would make a draft pick in the third round for sentimental reasons. You know, they like this player. And he got much better as the season went on. Go back and watch his tape from a couple years ago. He was a dominant back. I don't think he's, I, I you know, he's also, Pitt used him to rush the passer at times. I think he'll be a really good special teamer right off the bat. He's a decent receiver. And hopefully, I think he'll be Bell's immediate backup. Um, hopefully, they take a little bit off Bell's plate and give it to Connor. And this offense has a lot of talent. This might be the best offense in the league. I mean, it's a great line. You know, you're, you got another receiver. You had another talented back. There's a lot to like here. But the rest of the draft didn't, didn't you know, get much for the Steelers in terms of day three guys. But I'm really high. I, I'm For now, I mean. I'm really high on Dobbs, and I'm not saying it's because he's a Steeler, but he's one of about six quarterbacks in this league that I could, or in this draft, that I could see maybe being a starter. Are there starter traits there? And to get that guy in the fourth round, I mean, to me, is kind of like the Kaiser situation I was saying is if he hits, you know, he could be Ben's replacement. I mean, at a minimum, I think he'll always push Landry Jones for the number two spot and be a much cheaper version. And he could hit and be a starter and a good one. So we'll see. I'm real interested to you know see what the, a young man with that kind of ability um, will do whenever he can put his you know, aerospace engineering to the side and just concentrate on quarterbacking. The, the talent's there. Doesn't have to get rushed into anything. So that was my favorite pick of the draft. I mean, well, that and what. Um, Brian Allen was a guy I knew nothing about. He's a receiver turned corner. And he's like 6'3", 218, something like that. Long arms, huge hands. Has I think he very much is screaming practice squad, but has this, you know, has that Sherman feel to him of really good ball skills. Um, could be a press man guy. Just has a lot to learn. Maybe he's even a free safety, but that's a good risk to take this late in the draft. They took a long snapper in the sixth round. I'm not going to get into that. That's... A little bit crazy for me, but Kevin Colbert did say, uh, long snap, you know, short story or long story short, that long snappers are scarcer at the college level than you would understand. We'll talk about that some other time. And Keon Adams is another edge linebacker who will probably make his life, you know, living in special teams. You can't have too many of them. Maybe he also is a practice squatter, but was productive and played well last year. So, you know, seventh round, whatever. Uh, That's going to do it. That's the AFC North. Tomorrow will be the AFC South. Finding the love of your life, the ultimate reconnaissance mission. But you did it, and you want to protect the life you've built together through thick and thin. Be their protector for life with life insurance from USAA. Call 1-800-531-LIFE for a quote.